all. You know, loving yourself is not narcissism if it's right. There's enough narcissism going on. Thank you. There's enough of that going on in our, in our world. Uh, loving, loving yourself the way God loves you puts you in a place of humility because you understand then who you are and who he is. And, and, it, and, it's, and it, has, it has life on it instead of me on it. Um, but there's a place, he says, love, you know, you've you got to love others like you love yourself. And that's difficult to do when you have self-hatred or dislike going on. And God says, hey, man, I don't care what you've done. Listen, <laughs> God, like, this is so good. And I'm not, this is nothing. You know, the Lord says you have to do absolutely nothing for me to love you. There is nothing you have to do for me to love you. There is no competition for the love of God. And so you can just come into it and say, God loves me. Like this, scarred, marred, and ugly, and wants to redeem it, wants to make it good, wants to take everything I've done stupid and turn it into good. Only God can do that, right? He said, you don't know my story. I know mine. I know mine. Uh, this morning, I got a couple of things that's on my heart. First of all, Liz's mother is not doing well. And, um, uh, you know, just, just to give you ideas, just to give you thoughts about this faith walk that we walk. For 11 years, she's pretty much been in a bed and not known who she was or who her family was. And, 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 and to get your arms around the mercy of God in that place is difficult. When you see somebody that you love so much suffer for so long and you ask the Lord, where's your mercy? Right? You with me? And you have to continue to remind yourself that God's not on a timetable, number one. And that we don't know the end results, number two. Uh, we don't know why or what he's going to do to use this to bring kingdom to it. But he is going to do something because his ways aren't our ways, his thoughts aren't our thoughts. That doesn't mean it's not difficult to wrap your arms around the mercy of God in situations like this. And so, as a church body, we hadn't done this yet, so can we stand together? And let's pray for the mercy of God to be poured out in Greenville, South Carolina today. And that she would go home and be with her father. Can we do that? Just lift your voice and ask. We thank you, God, for your mercy. We know that it endures forever, oh God. Your mercies are new every day, oh Lord. And Father, we know that you have a will and a plan. And we just ask that your presence and your mercy be poured out today. I thank you, God, for victory. I thank you for the testimony that, that is going to be brought forth. And we just ask you, God, to move with power today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Thank you for the, for the selfish moment there. 
as we, uh, as we battle through. You know, this morning, I can't figure out if last weekend was uh, July 4th weekend or this weekend. When it happens on Wednesday, it kind of like carries all the way through. And so we're just going to keep talking today. We're going to talk about uh, rethinking freedom. And I love the song selections. I couldn't believe it. Michael and I, he was at the beach this weekend, so we hadn't had time to communicate what God was going to do. But every song that we sang had to do with the freedom that comes in Christ Jesus, that Jesus came to set the captive free. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, it says, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor, the king, the president. I'm just letting that one sit just a moment. Mark chapter 2 verse 27 says, Jesus said this, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. The reason I brought that scripture to mind is, is um, over the last weeks, well, actually, it was at uh, it was a camp that West Stanley Christian Ministries did uh, up there, and the introduction uh, to the leaders, the sermon to the introduction to the leaders, uh, came from a guy who speaks a lot to youth and travels and talks to youth a lot. And his opening statement was this, that you find as you go through churches all over that people want to go to heaven, they just don't want a daily relationship with God. And you go, wow, wow. And the reason being is, is because they think if they, it has to be, that they think if they come into a relationship with God that somehow they're going to be held captive to a set of rules that's going to make life not so fun. That somehow they're going to lose out on life if they come into this captivity that comes when you submit yourself to God. And so to rethink that, what we've got to understand is we've got to understand that freedom comes from God, that Jesus came to set the captive free, that this life that we have in Christ is more adventurous and more fun than any life that you could possibly lead because it comes with hope, it comes with peace, it comes with freedom. I mean, you actually feel free. Free from what? Free from the bondage that sin brings into your life. It, there's, a, there's a release that happens. And, and why do I use the Sabbath and what Jesus said about the Sabbath? is because when we think about the Ten Commandments, we think about do's and don'ts. We think about what we can't do and you know, what we should be doing. And, and there's, this, there's this emphasis put on the Sabbath. In the New Testament church, as if we don't live under the law anymore, we're free. We don't have to do the Sabbath. And you're thinking, where do you get that? How, how do you, did you listen to some preacher to come to that conclusion that you don't have to 
do a Sabbath? Jesus wasn't by any stretch of the imagination saying that the Sabbath was no longer necessary because he had come. There was nothing about what he said about the Sabbath that would disqualify it from being a requirement of God in our lives. And the reason that we, that we are in that place is, is the way we think about freedom. We, we don't really believe that what Jesus was doing was exposing his nature in the Ten Commandments. His nature and his character and his name we're in the Ten Commandments and, and who he was. And he was trying to bring revelation to a group of people about who he was. That's what happened on the mountain. If you go back and you look at what was going on in that mountain and you see the response of the people, God's up there, there's lightning and thunderings, Right? There's just this commotion up on the mountain, and Moses gets the Ten Commandments, and he, and he comes down with them, and he actually comes down with them twice. But he comes down with the Ten Commandments, and the people say about God, they fear him and say, Lord, Moses, you're the one that go up there. I, we don't, we don't want to have to go. You, you, you be the one that goes. And, and there was great fear that came upon the people. Why? Because they saw the nature and the character of God. They saw the bigness of God. In other words, there was a seriousness that came upon him is that he, in, in modern-day terms, as a father, my son would say, Daddy ain't playing. <laughs> that, Daddy's not playing. There was a, it, wasn't a, it, it wasn't this fear that, you know, that we're, we're, we're going to die all by itself. It was we're going to die if we don't do what... <laughs> We're supposed to do. And so, daddy ain't playing. You know, if I do this, the spanking's coming in some regard. There's going to be consequences. And there was, how many of you know that's healthy? That's healthy. There's nothing wrong with that aspect. God is big. He has a way of doing things that we need to recognize and align ourselves with. Correct? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, my way is right. Just, it's the right way. You need to begin to order yourself, your way, your thinking, everything about what you do and who you're becoming around who I am. And so if you look at the if you look at the Ten Commandments, which we're going to look at today, Jesus said about the Sabbath, which is the fourth one, he says, he says about the Sabbath, the Sabbath wasn't made, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, the Sabbath was made for man. What does that mean? That means that God knew what it took for us to become like him, So he established this thing so that we could be like him. And then he compares it and says, listen, I showed you the way. I led. I'm a leader. I did the same thing in the Old Testament as Jesus did in the New Testament. 
Jesus would lead, he'd go out, he'd do, and then he'd send the disciples, and then he'd send the 70, and they'd go do what Jesus did. And Jesus even said to the church, we're going to go do more than he did. But he modeled it. God models it. He says, the reason that you need to keep the Sabbath is because I did. I modeled it. And if it's good enough for God, <laughs> it might be good enough for us. But the only reason that we would think that somehow it's not for us is because we don't like the restriction. We don't like to be restricted to what he is requiring of us. Somehow it is not freedom. Somehow it's captive. Now, just to prove the point, I took a Sabbath yesterday, a real Sabbath. I'm not talking about a Sunday. Sunday for me is not Sabbath. I'm pretty much whipped on Sunday when I get home. You have no idea what it takes to do what a pastor does on a Sunday morning on a regular basis and the energy level. So Sunday's not my Sabbath. So I took one yesterday. Do you know? My wife says this about me. He's the hardest working man I've ever known. He said, she says that. That's her take. There's a thing around my house that says this. What, what, what's your plan? I wake up in the morning. I want to know your plan. I want to know what you're going to accomplish today. I mean, we're going to live a day. we got an opportunity for 12, 15 good solid hours. What are we going to get done? Right? That's, that's how I'll wake up. Right? Turn that off. Try that one time. I mean, it's like shock. I sat on my front porch. I cut down on the 4th of July, which was my birthday. I took out 60 azaleas. I counted them yesterday while I sat on the porch and wanted to take up the roots so bad that I was sweating profusely with anxiety because I couldn't get up out of my chair and actually go do work because I was taking a Sabbath. I mean, there was stuff to be done. My boat electronic system needs to be fixed. I've got this tree limb that fell down in the yard. It needs to be cut. The deck is in mid-paint. Half of it's painted, the other half is not. I mean, I could go on and on and on. There's a log laying down beside my house that needs splitting. I could go on and on and on and tell you the list that was going through my mind and everything that was calling me. You're not going to do that today? Not a Sabbath. <laughs> that lasted three good minutes before it came up again. Are you sure? I, I mean, you could do it in 30 minutes and then the rest of the day could be Sabbath. Y'all probably don't struggle like that. I want to just say to you that I believe, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you here in just a moment, that the first three commandments are connected to the fourth. And I'm going to show you a pattern that I think that the Lord was doing when he established the Sabbath. So Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man so that the man could actually 
do what God created to do. Now, let me just take one more step. Let me take one more step in this idea from the, from the gentleman that talked to the leaders at uh, of the camp at um, Camp Lookout, Look Up, Lookout, Look Up Lodge. Look up Lodge. He, he said this. He says, people think that they, they're getting saved. They're, what they're doing is, is they're, uh, they're just, you know, basically you've heard us say it over and over again, and I just want to reiterate it, that you're not just getting your ticket punched. You're actually becoming a child of God. You enter into eternity the day that you're saved. But most people are not looking for that. God didn't, God didn't die just so you won't go to hell. God died so that Jesus died so that you could be in relationship with the Father. So that you could be restored back to relationship with God. So that he could live in you and you, he could make his home with you. And, and so there's this entering into covenant with God. And, and the Ten Commandments do a phenomenal job of telling you this system, this approach that we need to grab a hold of as believers so that we can become like God and be effective in ministry as we go throughout our lives. So let's look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 2 through 17. <clears throat> he says this, you there? Yeah. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Say that, out of the house of slavery. How many of you know the whole picture of the Exodus is a picture of what Jesus does when he comes and saves us? He's bringing us out of slavery. We are no longer a slave to sin. We're free. Who the Son has set free is free indeed. There's a move from the slave to sin and death that no longer is there. Death being separation from God. Jesus answers the questions when he was asked, or obviously he was asked, what is eternal life? And he says eternal life is to know God and his son Jesus Christ. That's eternal life. And so when you come into a relationship with him, you actually enter into eternal life with God. And so we see we see this setting free in this picture, this being exposed or revealed by God to us and to the people of that day. You shall have number one commandment. <laughs> Watch. You shall have no other gods before me. I'm going to be your God. There's not going to be any other. You shall not make for yourself the carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. There's nothing in heaven. There's nothing on earth. There's nothing under the earth. That you should value 
more than you value your relationship with God. That includes your husband, your wife, and your children. And it certainly includes your job. Yes? Nothing that's ever been created should you value more than me. What you value is your God. And so the first commandment is, don't have any other gods before me. And then he just expounds on that and says, like this. And we call that number two. But he's just digging a little deeper. He says, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I am El Quanah. What's he jealous of? He's jealous of anything that would keep you from having a maximum relationship with him. Anything that you put in your life that has more value than he has in your life, he's jealous. He, he is saying to you and me, don't value anything before me. I don't care what it is, in heaven or earth or under the earth, I am it. Because I'm a jealous God. I'm jealous of anything that causes you or comes between you and me. And he says, I'm a jealous God. I visit the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. And, and, and in that time frame, it was easy for four generations to be walking beside one another. But showing steadfast love, so you got the hate, the hate me group, and then you got the love group. But showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and, circle and, keep my commandments. Jesus said, this is how you know that you love me, that you keep my commandments. <laughs> you can't separate. You shall not take the Lord your God, the name of the Lord your God, in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes the name in vain. There's so much to that. The name of God, if, if you go and study the names of God, you're going to find out that those names reveal the character of God. They reveal the nature of God. This is who I am. I am the, God, I am the healer. I'm your deliverer. I'm your banner. I'm, I'm, your, I'm your everything. I'm your all in all. I'm, your, I'm the one who provides, I, I bring, I protect. This is who I am. Don't take that lightly. You know, most of the time we just said don't use it in a cuss word in a sentence, which it includes because then you defame the name of God. So I would suggest, and I hear it occasionally, people say, Jesus Christ. Don't do that. And certainly don't damn God. But it's much more than that. It's taking it for granted. It is, it is not defining it accurately. It's not knowing who He is. It, it, is, it is a wrong definition of your Father. Don't take it in vain. Don't misrepresent. 
You with me? All right, now watch. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. All these things hinge on being able to keep a Sabbath, to set it apart, to refocus on who your God is, what your value system is, who you're valuing in your life, what you're valuing in your life, how you are aligning with him. Are you seeing him rightly? Is he a merciful God, really? You blow off a Sabbath time after time after time after time, which is a day where you focus on him and your relationship with him and who he is and what he says about you and who you are and what he values and what your call is, what your mission is, what your ministry is how you are to accomplish that ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit. Your vision. Jesus said, without prophetic vision, people perish. If you don't have God's vision for your life, then you're not going to be able to sustain anything that has kingdom on it. And so what God is doing with the Ten Commandments is he's saying, listen, I'm God. And they're saying, yes, you are. I see the smoke. I see the thunders. I don't even want to go near you because I'm scared. Because daddy's serious. He wants to be the only God in your life. The one true God, which we just sang. And there's going to be many things that that try to get your attention and that you are, if you don't take a Sabbath, that you're going to value more than you value the Sabbath. And that includes entertainment. Your entertainment. I value my entertainment more than I value God's command to, to the Sabbath which I know is imprisonment, that Sabbath thing. It's Old Testament. I mean, Jesus even said, or if I take a Sabbath, it's going to help set me free. Why is it going to help set me free? Because it's going to show me the nature of God. It's going to reveal to me the name of the Lord. And he is going to become who he really is to me because I have set aside time to be with him. That it's his day. This is a great day to start. You know, it's, it's a great place to start. Don't stop your Sabbath at 1030. It's a Sabbath day. It's hard to do because we're so busy. We got so much to do. 
Don't let anything in heaven or on earth or under the earth steal your relationship with me. And the maintain the kind of relationship that I want with you, you have to make me God. You have to not make anything else God. You have to make sure you have a right definition of who I am. And then you have to keep the Sabbath to keep in line. I showed you how. Now you do the same. So, you examine this in your own life. How many in here are really great at keeping the Sabbath? I don't even want to show of hands. But let me just give you some more stuff real quick, and then I'm going to give you some things to walk away with. Watch the rest of the Ten Commandments. Now, he goes into great detail. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Have no other gods before me. In heaven and earth, don't make anything. I'm jealous. I'm a jealous God. Make sure you don't take my name in vain. And remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Then he says this, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord. It's set apart to your God. So whatever you value on your Sabbath is your God's. On it you shall not do any work or your son and daughter or male servant, all these people, everybody that you're over that's in your household who's within your gate. For six days the Lord made heaven and earth to see and all that's in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath. The Sabbath actually means to disengage. Did you know that's where we get, I didn't even know this, a sabbatical. I'm going to take a sabbatical. That comes from the word Sabbath. It means I'm going to get away from everything. I'm going to stop doing everything. What we do, what I do, this is just real stuff. What I do is I go from my job here to my jobs at home. It's like two different jobs. I got this job to do here, and I got this job to do when I get home, and I do my home job on the days that I have off this job. But watch this. Now, that is, that's the four, that's four of them, right? All of them have explanation. All of them have explanation. And then the explanation stops. You stop. Why? You get those right, the rest of them are going to be good. Those are the four. Then he goes, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You should not steal. You should not bear false witness. You shouldn't lie about your neighbor and don't covet your neighbor's house. Boom. It's over. Did Jesus relinquish? Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't covet your neighbor's stuff. He didn't relinquish any of those things, did he? Why do we pick the Sabbath? Is everything else still good? It's pretty good stuff, right? Well, we don't like the Sabbath. Why? Because the Sabbath is mine. 
I want the Sabbath. I want to decide what I do on my day off. Well, you can't. You've got to keep it holy because God did. Well, that puts me in prison. I don't want to be held captive to an Old Testament law. That's just not biblical. Now, the question is, are we going to move into actually doing a Sabbath? Is a message on Sunday morning going to actually be enough to bring you into a place where you believe that you need a Sabbath? Where you say to yourself, I've got to set aside time, a full day, that my focus is on God and His mission for my life. You don't know how many times you hear people say, I wish I knew God's will for my life. Well, do you take a Sabbath? Oh, no. No, that's Old Testament. You take a Sabbath. No. If you take a Sabbath every week, you're going to get two months off. Right? That's 52 days. Not counting vacation. It's seven weeks. Yes? Jesus did it. He took the Sabbath. He understood the heart of the Sabbath, but he still took it. Right? They ate the grain and got accused for eating the grain on the Sabbath because it was work. But God didn't say fast on the Sabbath. Jesus knew what the heart of the message from God was, which is so important. So let me give you just a few things before I quit that we need to take with us. Number one, freedom comes when you receive Christ's sacrifice for our sins. So that we can be in relationship with the Father. That's where freedom comes. At that moment, we enter into eternal life with Him. We know God. We are, our relationship is stored. Freedom is found in our relationship with God. But it's maintained by obedience to the Word. Freedom is maintained by obedience to the word. You receive Christ and you receive that freedom and then try to do life at your own pace, at your own will, and see if freedom remains. Or, or see if not, you'll get right back in the captivity life. That you get back into the addictions, you get back into wrong attitudes. Are you still saved? Probably. But are you, you're not living in freedom. Not the freedom that God intended and so we have to see that there is a pathway that God has laid out that brings success in our life. And what he was trying to establish here is that first thing you must do, and, and you do that through receiving the work that Jesus did, you put your trust in God. You have to place your trust. That's what it means to believe, is placing your trust in God. That is that is, making a decision that he is the way, he, his way is the way, that that is the truth. There is absolute truth. 
He is the way, the truth, and that is what's going to bring life. And so I'm going to really place my trust in everything he's hit, that, that, who he is. So I'm going to trust in him. The second thing you've got to do is then you have to draw near to God. You have to draw near to God. When you draw near to God, he says, I'll draw near to you. It's so important. And how you draw near to God is you keep a Sabbath. You make time in your schedule. You, you, you put the Sabbath back in your life. I don't care what day it is. Choose a day. Your day doesn't have to be my day. Sunday's a great day. You already got half of it done as you come and worship here. But you need to maintain that. That doesn't mean you can't have fun. That means, and that doesn't mean you can't eat. That doesn't mean that you can't clean the bathrooms on Sunday. What it means is while you're cleaning the bathrooms, your focus needs to be on Him. You need to be praising Him. You need to be getting vision from Him. You need to be understanding what your ministry is from Him. Now, for me, <laughs> I probably need to stop because I get real focused on what I'm doing, and I just lock down oftentimes on the, on the topic at hand. So, so for some of us, we're going to have to quit doing work, you know, some kinds of work around because we are too driven. And some of us have got to break some bad habits. We've had habits for a long time. We, we, we learned habits from my mom and daddy, and we still do those same habits on Sunday afternoon. I don't know. That's up to you. But God says if you'll draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. And when you draw near to God, you're going to learn who he is. You're going to know his heart. You're going to get to know his heart. You're not going to be able to take his name in vain any longer. You're going you're gonna to discover who God is. And so you draw near to God. You learn who he is. You know his heart. And then you exalt his name. You begin to lift up his attributes, his nature, and his character. You recognize the fact that he's a good God. And in those moments, as you, as you trust in him and as you draw near to him and as you discover his nature, that brings you a place where you can actually worship God in spirit and in truth. You, you can actually begin to worship him for who he is, what his name is, who he is to you and what, what he's meant. And you can begin to praise his name. Praise is an outward expression of what you believe in your heart. And you praise Him because you've seen His nature and you've seen His works. So there's a difference between worship and praise. Praise happens after you've seen the works of God. Worship happens as an act of submission to the name of God. You come to God and you say, I worship you. I want to know you. I want to know your heart. I want to not take your name in vain. I want to be able to rightly represent you. So I trust you and I draw near to you. And I am discovering you. And as I do, I praise your name. I just want to tell you, folks. And this, this is church and we're, we're, you know, we're a little bit. You know, we're a little bit outward expressive. <laughs> but I don't know that 
I, I, I don't think we're anywhere close to being over the top. You know, just a minute ago, when, when Michael said, you know, praise the Lord and worship, it, it should, you know, we've been, we've been having the Sabbath for 52 weeks. His name and his attributes would have just rolled off our tongues. We'd have been able to pray. Michael would have had to say, stop, 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 stop. That's enough. Quit praising the works of God in your life. We only have so much time. Can't you see I'm on the clock? I just looked up. I'm five minutes over. Can't you see I'm on the clock? You're getting into my time. Quit praising God so much. Because we know his nature. We know his works and we praise him. And then we recognize the fact that we are adopted into his name. We're adopted into his character. We're part of his family. We are a Christ follower. That means we're a Christ doer. What Jesus did, we do. And God knows that if we don't keep the Sabbath, we don't have the potential to be a Christ follower, a disciple, a little Christ that we can't emulate him because we don't know him well, especially the way that he wants us to. And as we get to know him and as we discover who we are as little Christ followers, we develop a heart of obedience. We make a decision that as we see God, we are going to be like God. And we recognize the fact that as he makes his home with us, that we never can go back to the slavery or fall back into this place of captivity again because we have been redefined. We have redefined what freedom is. Freedom is not what the world says freedom is. Freedom is what God says freedom is. And he is the only place. He is freedom. He is the only place that real freedom can actually exist. It's in him and through him. And he established the Sabbath so that we could know him. Rightly. It's not prison. And so there's this idea this pathway that God has for us and you have to understand that no matter what you do you can't you can't draw this out of the word of God when I mean draw it out I mean uh, pull it out take it away and that is the principle of reciprocity you've heard me talk about it before that's a big word from a South Carolina graduate that's a really big word The principle of reciprocity is this. If you do this, then I'll do this. If you do this, I'll do this. It's, it's sowing to the kingdom so that you can reap the kingdom. And if you don't sow to the kingdom, you can't reap to the kingdom. Right? I don't care what your name is. I don't care whose you are. You can be a Christian and not reap kingdom. Because you're not sowing kingdom. And the only way to sow kingdom is to sow his name, 
You can't take his name in vain. You've got to understand who you serve and what comes with being a child of who you serve. And you have to have an understanding that you're going to sow and then you're going to reap what you sow, whether it's kingdom or whether it's earthly or fleshly or sinful. In Matthew chapter 5, and then I'm closing, there's a, there's a whole Sermon on the Mount that's going on in Matthew chapter 5. And if you'll study it, it's amazing. I've got all of them written down here, but Jesus is talking, and first he's teaching about the law, and he says, don't misunderstand why I come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses. Say that with me. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses. Come on or the writings, or the prophets. I came to accomplish their purpose. And so he teaches about the law. He straightens that out. And then he continues to go on in verse 21. He teaches about anger, and he says this, You have heard that our ancestors were told, You must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, and then he goes on, and he gives you the heart of God, about the matter. Why? Because he took Sabbath. He, he knew the Father. He said, I don't say anything that the Father doesn't say. I, don't, I do what the Father says do. And he says this, this is what you've heard. It's true. It's true. It's true. But let me, let me expand that for you. Let me give you the heart of God on this. This is why God wrote this. He wrote it so you would have clear understanding. Then he teaches about adultery. And he, and he says, it says this, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery, but I say anyone who looks at a woman with lust in his heart has committed adultery. Let me tell you the heart of God. Why did God write that commandment? Because, because there's, a, there's an evil that, that makes its residence in the heart of man that he wants to set you free from. How do you do that? The Sabbath. Make me God. Make my way your way. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to me. You. Trust me. Trust my way. Make time for me so that I can reveal to you my name. Then he teaches about vows. You've heard also that ancestors told you this. Don't break your vow. But I say, don't make vows. This is the heart of God. Teaching about revenge. You have heard it that the law says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If he slaps you, turn the other cheek. Let me give you the heart of God for why he wrote that commandment. He wrote that commandment so you wouldn't look like everybody else. So you would represent him well. So you would know who he is. Then he teaches about loving your enemies. And he says, you have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. That represents kingdom. We got to redefine freedom in our hearts, in our lives, in our mindsets. And the only way to redefine something is 
to redefine it the way God defines it. We redefine it by who he is. He, he is who he is because he is. He doesn't make a decision. Well, I think I'll be good today. You know, I'm going to choose good. I'm going to choose love. He, he doesn't choose those things. He is those things. He is those things. He can't not be those things. And so he created the freedom of the Sabbath so that we could be transformed into the image of Christ. So that we could be little Christ. But it takes 52 days of participation or you drift you drift anyway in every seven days he pulls you back in and shows you who he is and empowers you to become what he created you to become I guarantee you you make a Sabbath and you won't be laying around going wonder what God's will for my life is it's going to be right there in front of you and you're going to be doing it every day. Every day. Make sure you don't twist the word of God to suit your desires. The way you want things to be. Make sure that you understand that freedom comes by doing things the way God established them. And you haven't got to be scared of it. It's not imprisonment. It's freedom. Freedom comes by knowing him. Amen? Let's stand for closing prayer. <laughs> if you have a journal... I pray that you would write down in your journal that you're going to reestablish the Sabbath. That's right. I'm going to reestablish the Sabbath, God. Father, I'm going to reestablish the Sabbath because you made it holy. Holy means separated out to God. You separated this out to yourself so that I could know you and become like you, so that I would not put anything before you. So that our relationship would, would maintain the place you want it to so you don't have to become a jealous God toward me. And my biggest fear is that the hand of God would come off, come off my life because of my stupid choices, because of my hard-headedness, because of my vision and not his, and that I reap what I sowed there. Then i got to make sure that I'm sowing kingdom. So if you say that, Lord, I'm reestablishing the Sabbath. I don't want Pastor Alex's Sabbath. Matter of fact, I didn't even like how that sounded. <laughs> I'm, I'm being as serious as I can be. Because the God will talk to you and give you your own deal. You just don't make excuses. Say, so, if you'll give me your idea for my Sabbath, I'm going to write it down here. 
And I give you permission, God, to call me out on me making excuses why I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. I want to do what you want me to do when you want me to do it, and I want to be established there. That's the change. That's the purpose for the Sabbath. That's the heart behind the Sabbath. Lord, I, I want to make that this day holy to you. Show me how. Show me how you want me to operate in 2018. And don't let me make an excuse for it being 2018. <laughs> it's amazing what we can do when we try to get our own way. Yeah? Father, in the name of Jesus, you said without your vision we perish. And so we stand before you as a congregation of believers, not listening to what a man says on its own merit, but listening to your word and trying to align ourselves with it so that we can be everything you intended us to be while we were on this earth. So that we can know who you are, we can know who we are, we can know whose we are, and we can know the way, the truth, and the life so that we can represent it well. Lord, we don't want to represent your name in vain. We don't want to be a bad representative of who you are when it is not your nature or your character that we're representing. I'm reminded in the prayer before the service today, you said without love, which you are, God is love, that anything we do is destructive to the kingdom. Everything has to be done in love. So Father, I thank you for speaking to us. I thank you that you make your home with us. I thank you, God, that if we'll draw near to you, you'll give us instruction and show us your way. I thank you for that. I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. amen.